Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. You know what? A good heartfelt laugh is a great way to start a show. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome uh, to my good friend, Mr. Brian Malloy. How are you, Brian? Great, Tyler. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Brian and I were just having a chat, and as it is per usual, I got I forget to push record, and then we talk about all things under the sun. I don't think we've talked about the weather yet, but that's 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 very Canadian of us to do that. But Brian is the co-founder, president, and CEO of Level Business and Balance, a company that in one in my other in one of my other lives, my other my main gig uh, at Clearmotive Marketing, we had the opportunity to work with you guys uh, probably a couple of years ago now to work through your brand and the evolution of your business. So really excited to have you on today and. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Hey, and before we start, um, I just wanted uh, to say a couple of things about the, the working together and with your team. And uh, Level was actually the uh, the clear motive uh, idea, business and balance, like the whole thing, the process that we went through um, was phenomenal. And the brand that we've got right now has just taken us to the the next level. There's so much uh, next level. See you go. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. I was going to let that go. Nicely yeah, done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just comes out naturally and, and stuff. And so I just wanted to say, you know, big thanks to you and your team for doing such a great job with us. Everything from the colors to the messaging, er- everything behind level. It was, um, it's allowed us to get to this level. That's Brian. I, I really, I really, I really appreciate the feedback. It was great working with you guys. And it was one of those moments and I remember it and not to go too off sidetrack here where you came in, you had a different name and we went and talked to a bunch of your customers as we, as we always do. Uh, or whenever we can, because uh, there's what we think our companies are all about, and then there's what our customers think. And every single one of them said, "Yeah, but what about the name?" And we were a bit worried. We were a bit worried when we got in the room with you guys and did the like, "Hey, the one universal piece of feedback aside that we really love them is like, what the heck is this?" And you guys looked at us and said, "You know what? No sacred cows. Whatever you think is right, let's go for it." So you know, uh, all clients are amazing, and some clients let you do that little bit of extra work. So to hear that feedback from you that it's helped you guys. Go to the next level. Sorry, it's too there easy. You go. There, to go yeah. to the next level because you were willing to embrace not just like no, this is what we think it is, but you listen to your customers and you were truly customer centric in that in that moment. And to hear it pay off is awesome. So not to be so too self indulgent with that, but kudos to you guys as well for just being open to a name change is a real thing for a company, and it's clearly set you guys on the right path. So without further ado, tell us a little bit about Level, and then we'll get into talking about what we're here to talk about. Sure. Okay. Uh, we began five years ago, almost uh, to the date, where we have four service lines. We have a staffing uh, practice. We have a change management practice. We have a software quality assurance testing practice, and we have a management consulting practices. Uh, each one of those has significant differentiation uh, that we felt was missing in the market. Um, so they can stand on their own or they combine really nicely together uh, in a consolidated service offering to customers. Um, I guess the greatest example of, of that one would be to, you know, the cloud seems to be a big thing right now. Everybody wants to go to the cloud. Want to go to cloud. Everybody has to go to the cloud. Uh, some guys are saying, hey, uh, what's the cloud, right? Uh, so from, from you know, an executive level, high level um, conversation, you know, we have a um, just an incredible um, fellow leading our, uh, our management consulting practice, him and his team, they can come in, have those conversations. Here's what everybody's doing. Here's the benefits that you get from a very high level thing. How do you structure it? What do you do first? He can guide with that. Um, and then there's an incredible amount of change that goes in from working on on-prem solutions into a cloud solution where you don't have the, 
the continuing updates and, and stuff for your functionality or to improve your functionality. So that change, we have a, a change management practice that we have a, a partnership uh, with LaMarche Global out of Chicago. Company been around for 35 plus years, some huge, huge Rolodex of clients and customers. And um, we have a great working relationship with uh, with Sheila, Sheila Fain, CEO, and uh, her company. Um, and we are the exclusive licensed affiliate of that um, methodology and tools within Canada. So we take those tools, we help customers with changes. They migrate into the cloud. Sometimes they may be missing an architect or a developer or something, you know, we can plug those holes with our staffing line of business. And then at the very end, boy, there's a lot of testing to do when you've done that and you've moved into the cloud. Well, we have this, uh, you know, a great software QA practice where we have them on site or we can complement uh, that on site team with um, one of our uh, partnerships with a company called Marahu Technology in Kigali, Rwanda. So it fits really, really nice together and um, it uh, it's, it goes well. Uh, Brian, from the perspective of you, you are, you guys are Calgary based, like a quote unquote Calgary head office. I'm assuming that's, is, which maybe is your house these days as it is for many of us. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm, I'm talking from the boardroom today as we speak, which is the yes, dining sir. room table is behind me. And uh, we have um, the office downstairs, which is where uh, Chantal works from. She's our chief operating officer, co-founder. Um, but we do have offices in uh, Ottawa and Toronto as well. And that was Q3 uh, last year, um, just to, to diverse, diversify and expand. Uh, we wanted to bring the same business model that we have in Western Canada to Eastern Canada as well. So we have a team working there. And curious, in hindsight, obviously being boots on the ground and being in those markets, there's a degree of credibility. And I know I've experienced this as well with our offices in Toronto. If you're not there, you're not there. How's that changed? Or, you know, obviously COVID, you know, we've went five years of, of, of transformation in, in five months. You know, that's a, there's so many different versions of that one floating around, but I would say that that's probably an easy way to summarize it. How much has the market changed for like, you know, obviously you guys are in Calgary, but as a Calgary based company, has the, have the barriers come down to expanding and partnering globally, uh, even across the country? Or do you still feel you need to have those boots on the ground to, to have an impact? Yeah, I, I think it helps to have the boots on the ground, but with the onset of COVID, uh, this pandemic has really brought the world together. Um, everybody's using Zoom and Microsoft Teams. Um, and so there's not, and, and a lot of places you're not able to go into the, to the office and stuff. So it's opened up the, the door to be, to allow, um, those boundaries and stuff, if you will, to be removed. Right. So, um, which helps companies. It's easier to keep costs down. It's easier to get talent, you know, from other countries. Um, you know, so I, I think it's really, it's changed the way that we work and probably will for some time be like that. There's new ways of doing business now. We've yeah, that, that. that's an interesting paradigm of like when, you know, when quote unquote COVID is, you know, goes away, whatever, whatever that means, whether that's a vaccine, whether it's just the natural progression of it's not once the disease that it was, but that's in the future. Again, how much is it going to come back? You know, and there's so I think there's so many companies that I think a lot of myths got busted like literally overnight. We can't have remote workers. Our team can't add value from home. Like I loved how literally in 48 hours that was almost flipped on its head. Yeah, absolutely. It's just changed the way that everybody. I, I joke with Chantel. I said the thing when this does. Uh, I mean, there's promise with the vaccines with Moderna and Pfizer uh, and stuff coming out. 
And when this does go back to normal, I said that the one thing I have to remember when I go to work for the first day out the door is to make sure I have my pants on. Right. <laughs> Brian, that's why we only do podcasts that's, from the waist up. We don't take you, any. We you. don't take. We don't take any chance. Like the news, the classic news desk yeah. shot. Yeah, I had to check as I said that just to make sure I did. You were you good to go. Yeah. And from a perspective of like, to me, that feels like an opportunity. So thinking about where this is a Calgary centric podcast of what types of opportunities can exist for us to diversify and not only away from being so reliant on a very strong resource sector, which will continue to be there, but arguably, I think there's a level of awareness around diversification. But I think that also means getting outside of our own borders, not only as a city, but as a province. So from your perspective, obviously you guys have been able to grow a company that I'm, I'm, I believe, cause I know your customers are all across North, are all across North America. Are they not? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, has that ever been a barrier for you being based in Western Canada? Or did you always start with the mindset of like, no, we are, we are wherever you need us to be as a, as a customer? Just curious of what that's been like for you guys on the journey of the last five years. Yeah, well, when we started it, at that time, it was one of the worst recessions that Calgary had seen. And we started uh, with the intent of putting Calgarians back to work. We knew a lot of opportunities that were out there. We knew a lot of strong people. And we just connected the dots and we thought, you know what, this works really good. And then we thought, let's just take this a little bit further. We added the other practice lines to it. Um, and then we thought, you know, there's so much stuff out there that we were kind of bouncing into. And, and the, the first story I'd like to share uh, is the one with our QA testing practice. Um, so a um, really good friend of mine, uh, Dan McKittrick, he's, um, he's living in Ottawa right now. Uh, he and his wife went to Kigali, Rwanda. Uh, they uh, resurrected a, uh, a QA company that had since shut down in Kigali. Um, and bottom line, we, um, I guess to cut the, the story a little bit shorter, we, uh, we met some, some great folks there. One of the guys uh, that there was a fellow by the name of Dr. Michael Pucci. Um, he is responsible. His background is bringing third world uh, sort of education and training to third world countries to um, do this kind of thing everywhere. He'd been in Rwanda for 13 years. And Dan talked to him a little bit about what we were thinking about the QA test uh, practice to complement that, um, you know, with some, you know, high quality, low cost resources out of Rwanda. And he said, these, this is the perfect country for that. And the women in this country would be really good for that. They work very collaboratively. Um, they ask questions. They're intuitive. They work, you know, well together as a team. And when you're testing software, you want to ask questions. Well, why would I even design this? Why would I even do this way? And um, these ladies have been absolutely incredible. So just to, to share a little bit about the training that they've taken. Uh, there's an organization called ISTQB. They're based in Belgium. They're in 120 countries throughout the world. Um, these women are certified in that ISTQB standard. Um, and the interesting thing is when they wrote their exams, they passed at a rate of almost double that of any other country that have written these exams. So, um, you know, it, it, it's like we like to, to say, in intelligence is distributed equally throughout the world. Opportunity is not. So we think there's an incredible opportunity, not only for these, these ladies in Rwanda, but for Canadian business to, to leverage that talent. You know, and there's a lot of reasons why we're, we're in Rwanda. People kind of looked at us funny when we said we were there. Um, if you look at 
look at Africa, five, you know, five of the um, fastest growing economies in the world, at least in 2019, we're out of Africa. Um, Rwanda is positioned to be the Singapore of Africa. So to, to take advantage of all this. So um, at the everybody, especially if you're Canadian, you remember the, the horrific things that occurred in the genocide, you know, going back 26 to almost 27 years now. And um, Paul Kagame, the president, came in and said, we're going to rebuild the country. We're going to have one Rwandan. There's no separation, no um, Hutus or Tutsi. Uh, it's all one Rwanda. And we're going to do so. We're going to rebuild our nation. We're not going to be an agricultural-based economy anymore. We're going to export technology. So what they've done over the last 20-some-odd years is they've they've got – they've created the, an incredible infrastructure. So 95% of that country right now has either 4G or LTE um, networks. They've got an educated population, very uh, orderly population, very low crime, actually. Um, and they said, we're going to, to do this to be stable. If you look at um, transparency.org, and it's a, it's a, a not-for-profit organization that measures corruption uh, around the world. Um, you look at where Rwanda sits on that relative to some of the other countries in the world, and it's it's pretty incredible. Um, New Zealand, Denmark usually fight for position one and two. I think Canada was about eight or nine. The U.S., last time I looked, was 13 or 14. And then it goes all the way down to, you know, where you have Iraq, Russia, around 135, I think. Well, um, uh, Rwanda comes in at about half uh, or less than half of that on the corruption scale. So there's not a lot of corruption uh, as you would as you would think, right? And talk about progressive, Tyler. So, you know, um, gender equality, the World Economic Forum ranks Rwanda number eight on that scale. You know, unfortunately, Canada and the US, we're not even on that, that list. Like we're so far down. 64% of the parliamentary seats in Rwanda are held by women. So a very, very progressive nation uh, and stuff. And we're just, we're really excited to be part of that um, you know, with these, with these uh, ladies that we've got. I was like, I can't help but hear some parallels in terms of, you know, an, an economy, a country that was, to your point, we all know the stories. We've seen the movies, you know, we've read the memoirs of some of the Canadian peacekeepers and the things that went on over there. But to think about an economy that in, I would say, a relatively short period of time of 20, 20, 20 plus years has become a net exporter of technology and to have the level of human rights, the level of access, just, you know, internet access and to have that there and to think about what we're going through in Western Canada as our economy transforms. Forms, I don't know. There's something there. There was a big ray of hope that kind of shone in where we, we technically should, we technically were starting almost from a better place because they had so much like civil unrest there that we've just never experienced here. Like our civil unrest is an inconvenient protest. To be honest, it's not genocide. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and you know, the other thing that that was really interesting uh, about Rwanda is two of their official languages are English and French. Hey, that's a great, great synergy for you know. Us, especially our business in uh, Eastern Canada as well. And so for you to be able to, so as you've brought that, so I, what I really love is your Canadian company, you saw this opportunity internationally, like literally on the other side of the world, which for most people just has a, like has a mental barrier sometimes, but we live in a global village, which to me is an exciting concept. Then you were able to bring that back to your customers here. How was that received when you brought to your, to your customer base and say, hey, wow, look at this amazing thing we have. Did they, did they see it that way? Not exactly. Right? Okay, I was cu- uh, I yes. was curious. As no, a marketer, I'm curious. That, What's the, how did the story show up? Yeah, and and probably pretty much as as you would think, um, just because of the role that you know we played uh, in that country. 
Um, it has been, um, it, it's been an uphill fight. We've had a couple of uh, companies that said, you know what, we'll give you a chance. Let's do this. Uh, there's a company actually in Quebec um, that they, they had, a, they, they operate global call centers <clears throat> everywhere and they had a, a real rush on some stuff that they needed to get out uh, in some technology for their call center staff globally. And they were in a pickle. And so they thought, oh, geez, we don't really have much choice. How are we going to get? We don't have a lot of money. We have to do this fast. Uh, you know, and, and Dan worked with them, said, hey, we have this great opportunity for you. Like, why don't we try this out? So make a long story short, at the end of the day, they were under budget and uh, several days ahead of schedule to roll this out. So just what we had seen in the training and stuff is what we saw in real life. And that's the kind of stories that we're trying to get out there and stuff. Again, it's about providing the opportunities stuff. You know, they work with our onshore team, our onshore team. What we say to our customers is, look, the only way you're going to know that this was offshore or any of this work was done offshore is when you get the invoice at the end of the month, right? Because of the throughput and stuff. And Canadian business need to be more competitive on the global scale. That allows them to do that. You can't afford as a Canadian company to keep a huge team of QA resources for the next release of software that you're going. But you certainly you know, can get a, a, a team that knows your, your systems and stuff and that has that certification to be able to do so. That's interesting. And, you know, thinking about the Canadian aspect, the onshore version of that being your liaison, your partner, yeah. but not necessarily, but, and then being able to ramp up, like, I think that's the challenge so many of us have, especially in service-based businesses. How do you keep that team at the ready when there isn't always work for them to be utilized? That doesn't engage them either. Like, no, like they don't like sitting around yeah. and letting yeah. their skills get quote unquote rusty. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the model that we, we, uh, you know, with the folks at Maraho Technology, the, the model that we do is we have a, um, Kind of almost pure, pure. I uh, wouldn't say testing, but you know, some of the team will be actually working and, and billable on it, and there'll be others that will be kind of behind, watching what they're doing to learn. Okay, this is this company. This is what's important to them. So the next time something comes in, if they're it's on a bigger scale, we can ramp up just immediately because we know that company much bigger than the ten you know women that were working on it in the you know initially. So. And I would, I'm going to assume just as a, like from a cost structure perspective, because it's a high value, you know, exchange for them on the other end, being the individuals in this country, but also it's a lower cost than what we'd have to pay for resources here. So you can actually spend more money to kind of quote unquote, do it better <laughs> to have that layer deep, to have that redundancy that sometimes gets priced out of the market because of costs of employees. And I appreciate there's all kinds of strategies, but I, I, I appreciate, you know, you as a business leader going, how do we provide the best service while still those resources are still being treated incredibly fairly in their market. Cause I know you've and I've talked about, this isn't about underpaying someone to do good work. It's about paying them well based on the environment that they're in. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, this is, you know, people look at it, it is almost, it's a type of humanitarian thing that we're doing, but we're allowing, we're opening the door to these women to have some dignity, to help them control, to help them learn a skill that they can teach um, and we've said to them, hey, look, um, when you get better at doing this and you understand, you know, Western Canadian business culture and values and stuff, should you want to go out and do something on your own, we will help microfinance you to get that going. That's the way you change a country. And, and to me, that's the way as a Canadian, um, what we're here for. We're blessed to be in a country like this, right? We need to share that with other nations. This is one that we can definitely do that with. Um, and we're all over it. And I'll, I'll give you an example of um, an interesting thing. 
So Dan, when he was first over there, he was sharing the story with me, which I thought was incredible. Some of these ladies in the first um, 50 that we trained, uh, some of these ladies had to come a 45-minute ride from a, a remote village on the back of a scooter. Um, they had to, you know, to come all the way to get there. And we offered up, um, um, I guess, a, a dollar a day stipend for food, which doesn't sound like a lot here, but it feeds them when they're there. They get a nice lunch, like a nutritious lunch, because, you know, you need the nutrition to be able to learn and stuff. <laughs> you need to fuel the, you need to fuel the computer. I, I, yeah. But what these, what these, some of these ladies were doing, Dan shared with me was they were taking this dollar and they were putting it in their pocket so that they could bring it back to their families. And they were just drinking coffee and eating the sugar that we had to stay. And we thought like, that is just like, that's not who we are, what we're doing. So Dan went out uh, and, they kept the, the dollar stipend for the family. He went out and he negotiated an agreement with a local grocer who brought in fresh produce and food and stuff. And so that these ladies could eat, right? Like, I mean, it's not just about the money for us and doing this. That wasn't a lot of money to do it. They need to eat. You keep the dollar. Like, I mean, we just learn so much, you know, as we go through this. But it's, it's again, it's what we're doing to, to share and to help them be successful. Well, and I think it's so much and kudos to you as a business owner to look at the layers behind the layers, so the story behind the story. And there's there could be an easy story of like, oh, well, geez, why are you offshoring those rules? Why do we keep them in Canada? Why don't you keep jobs local? But yet when you look at like, well, why aren't we helping and being more of a global, a good global citizen, which I believe we are as Canadians, but we can always do better because there's always people that there's always areas of the world that need more help. And we are very privileged, like you said. So to hear you to be able to capitalize on a business opportunity that benefits your customers while simultaneously elevating a group of people through education and empowerment. I just, that's a lot of box checked all at one time in my mind. <laughs> I think that's, you know, part of the reason that we've been able to grow um, is just not only the diversification and the partnerships, but we, we always try to, to focus on doing the right thing. And I think if you do the right thing and, and you're successful at doing the right thing, the money and everything follows. And when it follows, you're able to do more of the right thing, right? <laughs> yes. so, it, 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 it does add a lot. It is an accelerant for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as a business, as a business owner, you got a million things on the go. I'm just, I'm thinking about someone who's listening on this and they're listening like, yeah, that's great. But man, I just don't have time to look at this global, these global opportunities. So I guess for yourself, it's just, just like years of being in business and networking. And how do you keep these types of opportunities on your radar as a, as a busy business owner? Oh, good God. Sometimes I don't know. <laughs> like, um, if, if, if anybody knows, please call in now and tell me how I do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we just, if it was a call in, if it was a call in show, we could open the lines, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, I, and I would use all that uh, information. Trust me, Tyler. Um, <laughs> we, we just, we have a very strong team, a very seasoned team. You know, we have Cam, uh, you know, Cam Smith, who, who is our VP of business development in, in Western Canada, all kinds of incredible connections, you know, a former, uh, employee of IBM and Oracle and stuff. So all these deep connections and lots of experience. Dan, uh, you know, his experience globally with, you know, Pfizer in Australia. He lived in Calgary. Now he lives everywhere. All these, um, you know, this helps. And we have um, Ajay Sharma. I'd I wanted to mention Ajay's name. So Ajay is the, um, the managing director of our management consulting practice. He's stuck in Delhi right now uh, in lockdown. He's supposed to be in Toronto, um, running your practice in Toronto, but it's, um, you know, there's just so much stuff going on in, in India right now. So he's, he's shut down there. But Ajay's a guy, uh, we met Ajay in Africa. He was an official advisor to the Rwanda government. 
So if, um, you know, if you Google, you know, um, Kigali Smart City uh, in Rwanda, Accenture, there's a whole bunch of big names in that city. Ajay was one of the architects to that whole thing. You know, he's a former global business head with Tata, one of the largest, you know, consulting companies in the mm-hmm. world, and a former colonel in the uh, Indian military with 180,000 troops. I couldn't imagine having 180,000 reports, <laughs> you know, Um so that's one of those, that's one of those big numbers that like from the perspective of like a team working under you, it's not even like, I don't know. I don't actually know what that means. I don't know what that means. Yeah, It's incredible. And, and when you, when you combine this, this, you know, type of talent with very similar values as us in terms of, you know, gender equality, diversity, all this stuff, and you put all these people together, um, you get an incredible machine and, and we're, we're seeing the results of that. Um, recently, I think, as you know, being, um, nominated as one of Canada's fastest, um, growing companies. I saw that. Yeah. Congratulations. Also a feature in McLean's, I think that uh, yeah. that's coming out in December. Yeah. Yeah. This you month. guys are killing it. Right. You guys are killing it right now, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, I, I knew, I knew you were before you were, le- before you leveled up. Yeah. <laughs> <I love laughs> Sorry. It. That yeah. was too easy. Yeah, too yeah. cheesy. I, Cut that out after. Cut that out. Who wants that? <laughs> I, I told the kids this year for Christmas under the Christmas tree, they're all getting an autographed copy of McLean's magazine. That's their gift. Right. And the dad, you're not funny. You know what? That's a perfect dad gift. Actually. I think that, you know, yeah. I think you're going to nail it on that one. Like, ah, oh, dad, the eye, the eye roll that's you're going to get from that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, from just thinking about listening to you talk, and I've had some other guests on talking about the importance of diversity and inclusion. You've mentioned it a couple times, and like, let's forget about even just like. Sorry, I don't want to sound like I'm minimizing this. Diversity and inclusion for the sake of we need to give people equal opportunities as leaders and as people in the senior levels of businesses, if we don't get diverse perspectives at the table, we're not going to survive. Whether we're talking about our city, whether we're talking about as individuals, you know, I had, I had a guest on and she was a long-term, you know, uh, senior HR in the oil and gas and resource sector. And she's like, Tyler, that whole ivory tower, I'm going to be blunt, bunch of white guys sitting around a table. That's not working for anybody anymore. Like that's just a bad plan. You're leaving. Yeah. Forget, yeah. forget about from the female perspective or just racial diversity. You're not bringing different thinking to the table, which is going to eventually kill your business. Uh, absolutely. Like you, you got to look, you know, look at, look at Canada, look at the population that we've got. We've got 80 to a hundred different countries that emigrate into, into Canada. Like that's an incredibly diverse population. Um, and if you look at all the statistics and stuff, you know, out there, look at look at the the gender equality diversity in boards, and and the the mm-hmm. best performing board or best performing companies out there have that diversification or or that gender equality in their in their board, um, and we we've got that in our company, and we didn't even realize it until we looked and we said, okay, so are we? You know, we're asking ourselves all these questions. Well, uh, I think we're sixty percent women, 40% men uh, on our, in our leadership team right now. Um, and it's, it's viability. You know, it's just, um, you, you learn things and you see things that you wouldn't otherwise learn or see um, with that diversity. Like, I, I want to give kudos to, um, to a company like Enbridge, you know, that, that have just gone out um, and, and said, you know, their CEO said, look, by 2025, 20% of our employees are going to be BIPOC, you know, um, black, indigenous Mm -hmm. people of color. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 28% of our staff, 20% of our board, that is an incredible statement, you know? So those leadership type statements and stuff, um, I think are really, really key and important. And it's easy to say it. It's another thing to do it and watch them go. I have no doubt that they're going to go there hard and fast. 
Well, just the power of also the signaling that that is when you put that out there. And I recognize that there's sometimes it is a PR campaign, but these days, these days, there's no, not, like if you put it out there in the world, people are going to hold you accountable. There's a level of transparency now that's expected. I think it's fantastic. Like don't tell a story, actually just act. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, you know, yeah. It takes a lot of guts to go out there and put a line in the sand like that. Right. So, yes, uh, and now that, that line will not get forgotten or washed away ever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not just, so Enbridge are not a customer of ours. So I'm not saying this to, to, you know, say, Hey, we'll get some more business with Enbridge. I'm saying this because um, this is such a great example to Canadians and Canadian business. What um, you know needs to be done more of, which is you know so powerful. And I you know kudos. I, I like what you said. You know we're, we're, we ask ourselves these questions. We, but when you go in with that as you, as the thing that you value, it's amazing how it sh- it shows up. Well, we didn't have, we didn't make it an initiative, but we always believed in it and allowed with diversity and having those different perspectives at the table and how much that's facilitated the fantastic growth you guys have had, even during a, what is a like, let's be honest, the last nine months, there's been winners and losers in our economy for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's exactly, we've met a couple of companies along the way. Um, actually in the, uh, the CEO summit, which was part of the McLean's magazine thing on the, on the growth, um, award ceremonies. Um, we met this really interesting company, um, a couple of young guys, Eston and Sam, with a company called Punch Card based in Edmonton. Very similar okay. values and stuff as we have in this whole space. Um, and um, we've got this great relationship with these guys. Now we found a prospect customer, and I'm dropping names here because these are all startup companies. Company, but oh, I, we we love we love giving the love on collisions. Yeah, so yeah don't don't be shy. Yeah, uh, another company called Hinton Scaffolding. Um, they've got offices in Vancouver, Mark. They have a, they're bringing a, um, yeah, I got to think of what I'm able to say now, what I'm not. Anyway, I, I won't go too deep just in case. Um, but the three of us really hit it off in terms of, you know, um, what we do and what we're trying to do. So Hinton is bringing a, um, a state-of-the-art application for the scaffolding industry that does not exist. They're a startup. They don't have a lot of money. Hey, guess what? Punch Card, one of the fastest growing companies in Canada, has this great team of 22 developers right here in Edmonton. Um, and they do development really, really well. Um, but boy, they need some capacity on the QA. And we're saying, hey, you know what? To round out this trio, you know, you guys have this requirement. You guys have the talent on the development. We can just shore that up on the QA really, really fast when you need to keep the cost down to get this new product to the market that the market hasn't seen yet. So that's the three of us kind of working together, you know, to bring this whole thing forward. And they both love the fact um, that we can use the on-site resources here and complement that with the work that we've done with Maraho Technology in Africa. No, I, I love what I love the underpinning of what I've just heard you talk about. The level of collaboration, the level of abundance. Like we're all in it together. We can share. Are you seeing a shift in the? You know, there's lots of talk about the tech ecosystem in Western Canada, and you know, it is young. And even when I started the podcast a year and a half ago to now, I've noticed a significant shift. Are you seeing more of that? kind of collaboration and maybe a tighter knit group amongst those, that startup community or like, are, are we really building off of each other's strengths? Um, I think so. I, I think that, um, that quite a bit much so. And let me, let me share another really interesting one with you about a startup uh, that I think, especially right now that the, the world needs to hear about. We have a great partnership with these folks. The, the company name is Cardi AI. So okay. the fellow that owns this company, he's the, the co-founder um, and the, the CEO is a fellow by the name of Dr. Anmal Kapoor. 
So he's a cardiologist here. He's got several clinics in Calgary. He's got a team of, of uh, doctors and scientists and microbiologists, uh, almost 50 people that have um, actually developed a COVID test that could be done in less than 30 minutes. So, and, and you know, you hear about all the stuff that's out there. Hey, uh, you know, there's this rapid test that, you know, is at Calgary Airport. It's going to open things up and, and, and all this stuff. These, these tests are, if you call two days rapid, um, I'm not in the same camp. Right for for a guy I know who uh, I know what kind of car you drive. Yes. That's come on. Rapid has a whole nother. It does. Let's just go back to call it as fast. We need something fast. That's right. Yeah. So this that's a podcast for another day. <laughs> it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so this this product is is it's faster. It's more accurate, and it's more cost effective than anything that's right out there. It was developed right here uh, with this team. Um, you'll see actually, uh, I think he's in the Calgary Herald. He was uh, on with Daniel Smith on seven, seven radio on Tuesday. He'll be in the Calgary Herald this weekend. Um, but this is the type of thing that we've got right here in Canada to open it up there. You know, it's, it's as simple Tyler as a spit test. You add the secret sauce to it. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, you have your result. It's actually quicker than 30, but they're, they'll say we'll guarantee 30. You know, um, and that, so you get this. So think of you're going to travel somewhere. So uh, you arrive at the airport 30 minutes early because you got to go through your COVID screening. You get this test. Uh, you go to a, a socially distanced space in the airport. There's a lot of space in the airport these days. <clears throat> yes, yes, so, yes, there is. So you go to this socially distanced space and you wait for your result. And then your phone rings and says, oh, you have green on your phone. You're pause or you're, sorry, you're COVID negative. You can get on the plane. So now that you're on the plane, you know you and everybody else that's on that plane is COVID negative. And this test doesn't, it's not an antigen test, which tests for the antibodies. Yep, it's um, current. This is this test looks at the signature of RNA in the COVID virus itself. And so their secret sauce amplifies the speed at which that could happen. So they can do, if you have a facility in place right now, uh, you can get six times the throughput based on that facility. If you're in a remote jungle in Africa and you don't have a PCR machine or a spectrometer or all the yeah. lab equipment, well, you take this, you know, this test and you put it in a sealed baggie and put it in a pot of boiling water. Uh, and 30 minutes later, you look at the color. Oh, it's orange. I got COVID. Right? Like that's as simple as it is. And this guy, when we're talking about diversity and, and you know, um, gender equality, that's who this guy is. He's the same DNA as the, the folks at Hinton and Punchcart and at, at Level wants to make a difference in the world. Um, and he's done that so that marginalized populations in economy can have a test that allows them to know, is it going to be safe? So huge. Um, can't say enough great things about this company. Well, what I love to hear is that these things are happening in Western Canada, and that's and and that, you know part of the show was to get those stories out that don't always get told. To hear that he's getting some good media around that, that's awesome. I think the media is doing a lot better now, telling I think local success stories and getting it on people's horizons. Because let's be honest, for a long time you couldn't get a, a positive story in Edgewise because there was too many negative yeah uh, gas headlines. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, had a, I had a guest on, and I asked him. I said, "So, wh wh what indicators will you look for to, to know Calgary's moving in the right direction?" He's like, "When the oil and gas headlines, the negative." ones are on page two. And I, I thought that was a really good summary in terms of like, yep, we'll know we're on a different path. Yeah. 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 When you work, when you work abroad and obviously I know you're working across Canada with companies that are, have presence here, but are probably national or international. 
any any point of view from your side in terms of how the rest of the world sees Calgary? It's always a question I'm curious about. You know, it's fine that we talk to each other about how awesome it is, but how do people from the east see it or the south or like on the other side of the world? What have you run into? Um, I don't think we get enough credit for the stuff that we've got here. I think something like this would definitely put us on the map. I mean, we are talking to some really um, really interesting companies and government officials about this whole thing. I think we're going to be on the map in a big way uh, when this thing moves. Um, and, and if you look at Calgary, like our LRT is wind powered and having been, you and I were born up or we're, we're born in probably within 50, 60 kilometers of each other. So we know the way Eastern Canada and Western Canada, the differences between the two, right? And, the view from Eastern Canada used to be just oil and gas and stuff. And that was what it was. And then, um, but to tell folks in, in, you know, Eastern Canada that, Hey, um, we've got our, our LRT system is free downtown. It's powered by, uh, you know, wind electricity or electricity produced by wind. Um, there's some really interesting um, things that they don't know. And we'd love to, to spread the word. And um, that's part of what we're doing as well. I, I do believe, and as a marketer at heart, that we have a bit of a branding problem or certainly a communications problem in that sense. And I've chatted with a few guests from down in the Valley. I've chatted with some guests in Windsor, uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, I should say, talking to a few guests and like about the amount of effort and energy that other centers like a Toronto or a Montreal or even Vancouver do to put ourselves out there to companies in the US and to do like actively kind of that economic development side. And a few people have told me off air that they're like, what's Calgary doing to do that? So when I hear grassroots stories and, you know, hearing that there's there's good stories to be told, but we're maybe not doing a good job of telling them, I think that's a little bit of the, the Western humility that's hurting us, actually. Yeah, I think that um, not only do we tell them, but we show them and we show them what the results of this, you know, technologies that we're bringing, you know, to the market, like, um, you know, Cardi AI and the COVID test. And, and there's other, we've had other, gosh, we don't have the time. I, I know we've got, 10 partnerships that we've negotiated in the last year in terms of diversity. We have another one that's out of the UK. Um, I uh, can't name the name of the company, I don't believe, but um, 60,000 employees, huge company with a, a really cool product that is, is perfect for Homeland Security and stuff. Um, and it, we're actually piloting uh, one of one of the instances now in a, uh, a police force. Again, I'm not allowed to say which police force, but... Um, again, it's all these different products from around the globe that we've seen that we get to bring into Canada and Calgary to literally change, you know, change the world. This COVID product will change the world. I appreciate your role as kind of hearing you more as I'm a, cur- a curator, like going out there, cl- leaving the village, going out, finding the best herbs, the best, the best hunt, the best everything, and bringing it back to the tribe. <laughs> That's a weird analogy, <laughs> yeah. but you know, but it is. You go out and you and you look and you find these opportunities, and it takes a lot of bandwidth and and really a values base that drives you to do that as a business owner because it's easy to not have time for those things. So from that perspective, if you're talking to other business owners in town, small, medium, or large, that have kind of almost, I'll be honest have their eggs in the Western Canadian basket, what, what, what advice would you give them to get out there and diversify and yeah, embrace, yeah, embrace that? Yeah. Diversification is key. If we weren't diversified where we are right now um, across Canada and with different um, product lines, I don't think we would have survived COVID. Um, so it's really, that's, 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 that's powerful. Yeah. We, we don't want to have all our eggs in one basket. Um, and I think that, um, you know, we would have been crushed. So um, thank 
God, actually, that we'd we'd got to the point where we were. I feel like we're blessed to be able where we were when this thing hit because two years ago, if this hit, I don't know if you and I would be would be chatting right now. We might be, but we might be talking about something different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a quarter. So, like, so, 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 so Brian. <laughs> <laughs> ouch. Yeah, ouch. Yeah, I hope yeah, you can, more. Brian, what, I hope what you went can wrong? delete that but, one. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. No. I don't. We like the, yeah, my audience <laughs> likes real content. I, that's what. Yeah. That's why I believe they listen. Maybe that. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's missed my story. Um, but hearing everything that you guys are doing and, the, and kind of your values that drive your organization, and I'm always reluctant to say this, COVID feels like an opportunity that the world has actually got smaller, which to me lines up with already the beliefs you had going into it. Yeah, big time. Uh, absolutely. It's brought the world together. And I think that, you know, looking back, we realize we have to respond against this adversary in a global manner, not just in, and we've seen what happens, you know, if we try to do, well, our country is going to do this or our province is going to do this or our city it doesn't work. You know, our country is going to do this, doesn't work. The world has to do this and we have to collaborate and we have to trust. So, you know, if anything good came out of COVID, I think it's to open people's eyes, the importance of we're just one human entity here. That's our adversary is a virus that we can't even see. We need to come together to stay, you know, we're stronger together than we are alone. I've had some interesting conversations with friends, you know, almost more philosophical, you know, when have we all been brought to our knees together? And, you know, there was a trend prior to this. And I know that's still in pockets of like I, the isolationists, we're going to build a wall and we're going to do all these things. And, but these, like you, what you said, like, we're also trying to solve very large global problems. You can't do that by building a wall. It's the opposite. You need to tear walls down. It's no, the exact opposite. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think that's what this, this pandemic has done. Interesting. So from a perspective of Western Canada and where, you know, where you see, see things headed, of course, I'm going to assume there's a sense of optimism because I know you and you're also an optimistic guy who builds, who lives his life that way. But when you think about the future of, you know, Calgary specifically or Western Canada, what are some of the things that, that get you excited aside from some of the cool innovation stories you've already shared? I, I think, uh, you know, there's going to be the natural transition away from fossil fuels, but there's also a lot of opportunities. So when you look at the, uh, some of the things you've been seeing on the news in terms of, you know, the medical technology sector right here, um, the, you know, the software, the talent that we have in Western Canada um, is here. You know, you look at the uh, the hydrogen producing, we can take natural gas and make hydrogen out of it. I think there's a lot of opportunities, you know, supply chain logistics with Amazon being up, you know, just uh, north of us. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity coming. And I think it's now we get to look at it in a much different way, a much more global way, how to capitalize on those different opportunities. Yeah, it's almost, I would say, the perfect storm. And I say that because what storm is actually perfect? But some of the place we were in of already being a little bit back on our heels and, you know, we were already five or six years into this, you know, forced, forced structural transformation that we're under. And to now all of a sudden be able to look at the world on a broader stage and have it bring brought more together. I think that's going to do nothing but yield opportunities for Congress. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about a, a population that can go out in the morning at minus 25 and then at plus 20 about six hours later in a schnook grin. That, uh, that's a pretty tough population, right? So we're tenacious and we're tough and um, we adapt. Yeah, the resilient, the resilient and adaptability of just by the nature of living here. As as I look out, yeah, you know, overcast, snowy, icy. I got to be adaptable just to make it past my front steps and not slip and fall. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, I really appreciate your perspective, and also, you know, you you and I have known each other for a while. We haven't really chatted much during the pandemic, so just to understand where your values and where what you believed going in were able to take you as an organization, I think it's such a 
it's such a critical time to know who you are culturally, to know who you are from a values perspective of your company, because all of the realities of what you do tomorrow might change, but your values are the things that hold you guys true. So to hear that pay off the way it did, it, uh, it, it's it's incredibly inspiring to me. Yeah, thanks. And, and you know, like anybody that has kids, um, you know, you can, you can tell your kids anything they're not going to listen to you, but they're going to watch what you do and they're going to watch you, your actions, right? And we kind of said the same thing. You know, um, people aren't really going to listen to us, but we said, just just watch. Watch our actions. Watch how we do business and watch how we bring you to the next level. <laughs> ba -ba boom, boom. Oh, man, that was perfect. I, I, I love I, the I'm, I'm going to stop. Yeah. I'm going to keep talking, but I'm going to stop. Yeah. Brian, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Because after a tagline drop like that, we're just going to put your credentials out and people are going to, like, the phone's going to ring off the hook. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, the easiest way to get to us is connect at level.ca, and that's level with two Vs. Excellent. Yes. And I would highly recommend you check out the website. It's very informative, very engaging. I think really well done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was too, that was, yeah. that was too much. Great job. Ryan, yeah. absolute, absolute pleasure hearing your perspectives and, you know, being able to share your success and hopefully get some people thinking. That's my goal at the end of the show. People are like, ah, maybe I need to look at my business, my customer base, my reality, my partnerships. At a, at a global stage. Like we live in a global village. We don't need like borders. Borders are a figment right now, especially with technology. So get get out there and, and network, but do it beyond our borders. So critical and such a cool opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, thanks a million, Tyler. This was a, a lot of fun. Absolute pleasure, Brian. Always, always enjoy our chats. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye.